0: Of the
1: Third Kind.
2: Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts. There's two other hosts that are joining me today Daniel Sung. Heyo. And Hans. Howdy, howdy. Now, real quick, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release
3: a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is $0.16 a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week, for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. We have over 75
0: extra Patreon episodes, which is over 80 extra hours of listening pleasure. To see the full list of Patreon episodes, go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the Patreon episodes tab. There you will see an entire list of Patreon exclusives episodes that we have published.
2: Also, today we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over demons. So in this episode, we talk about the history of demons, uh, what type of demons there are, what they can grant you, how to conjure them up, and the theories surrounding them. So you get access to that episode, as well as all the others, for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon
3: membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave a written review on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. However, don't feel
0: pressured to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show.
2: And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is Ghost Stories Listener Edition. So last week, uh... If you remember, we did Celebrity Edition, which not really good receptions came back from it. Some people did like the celebrity stories and some people didn't, which is okay. But this week, we're going over the listener-submitted stories. So if you submitted us a ghost story, we will possibly cover it today. It just depends. We've got a buttload in. So how this episode will go today is that we are just going to be going over all of the ghost stories that were submitted to us. We do have some audio clips that were submitted to us, some photographs, along with the stories. So we'll be reviewing all of those. And we'll also uh, have a couple little personal stories of our own uh, regarding ghosts and hauntings and stuff. Then at the end, kind of talk about theories and kind of personal thoughts and theories. And then we're going to go into uh, free talk. And then our on the scene interview, and then shout outs, and then that'll be the end of the episode. So let's hop right into the stories. Now, our first ghost story is submitted to us by Sarah G. It starts off with I'm Sarah. I live in South London. I'm originally from Italy, but have been in London for 20 years. I've been raised in a family of believers my aunt has been known to have a gift and do automatic writing in her youth, but was too scared of her gift and stopped using it. Just a little FYI real quick, uh, this is not what Sarah said, but this is just me interjecting. If you don't know what automatic writing is, it's where a person has a pen and a piece of paper, and they sit down and they let the spirit, um, I guess use their hand to relay messages and write them down. Isn't that right, Dan? I mean, if if I remember correctly.
0: Yes. That's pretty much the gist of it.
2: Okay. All right, back to the story. Many things have happened in my life to make me believe, possibly too many to talk about in this email, but I will tell you a couple of ghost encounters I've had here in London. It was the year 2007 or 2008, and I shared an ex-council flat in South London with two other girls, all in our 20s. Not much happened straight away. You know, just items going missing and reappearing. It did not take too much time to notice that something strange was happening. Then one day, I was doing some work on my laptop in the living room, all alone, and all the windows and doors were closed, as it was early spring and chilly. All of a sudden, I felt a very cold shiver like I've never experienced before, and my long hair swished on my neck, like someone behind me pulled them away to expose my neck and then let go. I turned around to see nothing or no one. A few months later, I was in bed and I used to struggle falling asleep. So often, I would spend a couple of hours just lying there in bed waiting to fall asleep. This one time, I clearly felt someone sitting on my side of the bed. I clearly felt my bed sink a little on one side. I opened my eyes as I thought maybe it was one of my roommates, but I turned the lights on and saw nothing. On another occasion, I was home alone one night, went to bed, and as I lay there trying to go to sleep, I heard clear footsteps of someone walking upstairs only to turn around almost at the top and go back down. I waited for more noises, thinking it may have been one of my roommates coming back and maybe did not want me to hear the door opening. I waited for what felt like ages, but there was no other noise in the house. At that point, I was really spooked. I got up and turned every light on in the house, I looked everywhere and there was no sign of anyone else being there, so I waited up until my roommates returned, I was too spooked to go to bed. It was clear that something was in my house, a spirit, a ghost. It never felt like a bad presence, but I did not like it in my house, so I looked up online a cleaning ritual and did it a couple of times till I felt the presence was gone. It was a simple imagining a ball of light growing from within me and expanding to envelop the whole house to protect it while also asking the presence to please move on as it was not welcome in my house. Eventually, I felt like this worked. A few years later, one of my roommates decided to move, so we decided to repaint her room for the next tenant and this room was the smallest one in the house. After the paint had dried, we saw a small handprint appear in the middle of one of the walls, and it was like a child's hand. We painted over it again, and again asked for the spirit to move on. Nothing else ever happened in there again, and eventually we all moved on. It was a little scary as I did not know how to deal with such entities and situations. Now I wish I had the guts to communicate with them somehow. Maybe next time. Sarah in London. Damn. That would freak me out. What part, exactly? The, okay, not the hand. What are you talking about, not the hand? That would be the part that freaked me out, that would freak me out the most. Would be the hand. The
3: walking up the stairs. I hear something that don't belong. Ooh, I am up. I'm up investigating
2: with Louisville Slugger. Okay. Well, I don't I don't blame you. I would, I would do the same thing. I would investigate.
0: I would be the hair swishing. The hair swishing? Yeah, with the cold, like, against your neck and stuff? Phew. Uh-uh.
2: Yeah. I'd have to say that the handprint would be the scariest. What if the cold chills that we get randomly
3: are just ghosts stroking the back of our necks saying hello? Why would they say hello by stroking the
2: back of our necks? Why can't they just say hello? I mean, you did. You heard it that one time.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: You talking about that? That ghost story from last week? Yeah. By the way, I got an email from somebody that said that my ghost story last week, uh, which is at the very end of the episode, by the way, that uh-huh sound was Siri. I don't think I had my phone, and I don't think I had an... Did I have an iPhone at that time? No. So, there you go. And I didn't have an iPad or any Apple products in that room. No, Aaron. Aaron is very strict
0: about Anything that can make noise while he's recording.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, like my
3: computer that's ramped up right now sound like a freaking jet fighter taking off.
2: That is extremely loud. It f***ing is. Yeah, I'm pretty strict when it comes to noise when recording. My whole thing is you got to have good quality audio. That's the number one. Next is storytelling. But anyways, um, yeah, that was a great story, uh, Sarah. Thank you for the submission. How do you get
0: Siri to say uh-huh? Because anything I try to say to her, she won't say uh-huh.
2: I don't know. All right. Uh, so thank you again, Sarah, for that story. Loved it.
0: Yes, yeah, good story.
2: All right. So our next story is from Taylor H. Dan, do you want to tell us this one?
0: So the email starts off with, My name is Taylor from Southeast Missouri. I know it will be hard to believe, but this is my ghost possession story. It was 4th of July in 2014. Me and my used-to-be friend M was out shooting fireworks and having a good time. We decided to go get a lantern for a friend of ours that had recently passed away. We decided to go to the cemetery that he was buried in. The church that was connected to the cemetery was a very known place to be haunted. The basement had a pentagram in it and a destroyed piano inside would often play itself but the most notable thing was seeing the lady in black. We pull up to the cemetery and as M put the car in park, we both get this, you don't belong here feeling. And we both said, something is wrong, we need to leave. M decided to speed off rather than driving normal and I believe it pissed off whatever it was even more. I felt like we was being followed. We soon hopped on the highway and headed towards town. And out of nowhere, M silently pulls over the car in front of a church. I look at him and he slams his head on the steering wheel so hard it bent the top of it. I freaked out and frantically called out to M to see if he was okay. He slowly raised his head and speaks, Why have you come here? Why do you dare patronize us? I was struck with the worst fear I could imagine. I told M who sounded like a distorted woman. We only came to the cemetery to see an old friend. The last thing it said was, you're lucky it's me and not him. M hit the steering wheel again and came back too. We sped off and I told him everything that happened. He then decided to tell me that a year earlier when we had visited the place before to see this haunted church, he had accidentally peed on a grave. Needless to say, we made sure to cleanse our spirits and homes. I've never been back there since, and I don't talk to him anymore due to other reasons. But I simply believe that spirits do exist and that you should never provoke or mess with one.
2: Period. All right. Uh, first of all, why didn't you hop out of the car when your friend started hitting his head on the steering wheel and looked at you and spoken like a, a weird, distorted voice? If it was one of y'all that did that, I would hop out of the car and run away. You're not going to save me? Hell no. You're possessed. How can I save you?
3: I'd knock your ass out. I'd beat the demon out of you.
2: Sprinkle some of that golden holy water on me. Oh, yeah. Another thing. Why do you pee on a grave, man? Yeah, and uh, you're right, Taylor. You don't provoke them. No, you do not. Well, thank you for that story, Taylor. God, that poor steering wheel, though. I know. Damn, his head had to hurt, too. Boy's got CTE for sure. All right, so let's go on to the next story, which is from Brandon R. So, Hans, do you want to tell us this one?
3: I sure will. From Brandon R. Backstory. My grandfather passed away on Christmas of 2015 after a seven-year battle with cancer. He spent his whole life working his ass off so our family could come to America, become citizens, and get an education and live a comfortable life. Now here's the story. Earlier this year, I was going through a pretty rough time, fighting some inner demons. I was in my kitchen talking with my wife around 10 p.m. when we heard our two-year-old daughter laughing and playing in her room, who mind you, fell asleep at 8 p.m. I opened her door and noticed her still sitting in her bed, but all of her stuffed animals, which were usually on the bed with her, were on the other side of the room by her closet. Walking into her room, I felt this loving energy filling her room. I asked her, "'What are you doing, silly girl?' she giggled looking towards her closet and said silly grandpa my heart sunk and I just sat next to her I had never talked to her about my grandpa she's only had a picture of him on her shelf so Brandon goes into a little dialogue with his daughter which he states silly grandpa is grandpa playing with you
2: yeah he said he'll be right back
3: Where did he go? He went back to the moon. Oh, well, lay back down for now. Tell Grandpa I said hi, and I love him.
4: Okay, Daddy.
3: She rolls back over with this big smile on her face. As I left her room, I couldn't help but cry, feeling so relieved like I used to when my Grandpa would tell me, you're too young to worry. I walked back in the kitchen where my wife hugged me as I gained my composure. As I told her what happened, an old light above our sink that never worked in three years, we had this home, started flickering. The next morning, I asked my daughter, who's this? As I pointed to the picture of my grandpa in her room, that silly grandpa, she replied. It's nice to know he's still here to help me when I need him. And means the
2: world to me that my daughter got to know him. Thank you for that story, Brandon. Um, And it's good to know that your grandfather is still around. And I don't mean for this to go into a darker conversation. But do you guys think that evil spirits can conjure up the physical likeness of family members who have passed away for them to manipulate? current family members that are living?
0: I mean, there are demons that pretend to be someone you know, like through the Ouija board. They'll pretend to be the person you're trying to talk to. Yep. So, maybe? Okay. But I mean, it's nice to know that there's good spirits out there too that are like, I guess you could say, watching over.
2: Yeah. Yep. All right, so let's go to the next one. Dan, you want to tell us this one about uh, Joey G?
0: Yeah. So, this one starts off with, Hello, Aaron, Dan, and Hans. I am emailing you to share a ghost story that happened to my family at our old house near Shadow Mountain in Ojo Caliente, New Mexico. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Historically, there was a Native American ruins that were found less than half a mile from our house across the river west of our fence line and scattered pottery pieces and arrowheads me and my brothers found in the area. This house had a darkness to it with what started happening to our family when they would visit. My twin brothers... We will call them K and G. We'll play upstairs in the addition my father built with each other and started communicating with a young girl they would call Emily when they were three years old. What set Emily apart from being an imaginary friend was that they said she was a real person and was cold to the touch. Her hair was floating above her head as if she was underwater and she had told them she was murdered by drowning. Close family immediately started having unusual happenings at our home My uncle came over and was sleeping downstairs on the couch and the doorknob started to violently rattle and twist as if someone was locked downstairs in the storage under the stairs. This continued for two to three minutes and the door finally opened, sending my uncle into a full panic running out into the living room and sleeping with all the lights on. I personally used to see shadow people that were about four feet tall and could not make out faces, just could only see shadows in a human's shape with no features. They would walk around the house from 9 p.m. and would stop being seen around 2 p.m. They would run back and forth in our hallways and would be accompanied by a very light-sounding footstep when they would walk. And that was the story from Joey G.
2: Ooh. Well, thank you. Uh, and that sounds extremely scary. That uncle must have pissed himself. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever it was, just hit my refrigerator again. Dude, ever since we record, So, all right. Side note, if you're listening to this and haven't listened to our Patreon episode, which is over demons. Um, we just got done recording that, and during the recording, we were hearing weird sounds. Probably just coincidence, but something keeps hitting my refrigerator.
0: Thank you for that, Aaron, because now I just heard that banging noise again. Really? <sighs> I meant this time sound sounded like a door closing, though. Because I didn't feel a big vibration, but it sounded like a car door.
2: All right, well, we're getting haunted by the demons.
0: Nice knowing you guys.
2: All right, so we're going to get on to the next story, which is from John M. So at the beginning of his story, he sent some articles from his town in Gilmore, Texas. The articles, one of them talks about Gilmore, Texas in 1992, how a bunch of like satanic people ended up moving in. And the whole Kelly Day Wilson happening. If you don't remember what that is, we go over Kelly Day Wilson pretty, uh, pretty in depth. So crazy story. Yeah, it is a crazy story. Um, another article talks about uh, the devil in the pines, which is another thing about Gilmore, Texas, and Kelly Day Wilson, and it shows a, um, a the Stonehenge in the middle of the woods, which we'll talk about here in a minute but it also shows a picture of a creepy house in the middle of the town in Gilmore, Texas, uh, that was rumored to be involved with satanic activity, and it shows a picture of the chimney of the house, which has a upside-down cross on it. So John M. said that he had actually visited that house with the upside-down cross on it, that at the time there was a girl that he went to school with that was living there, that a group of guys and girlfriends that were all hanging out decided to go to that house together and just drink and do what teenagers did. He went on to say it was November, December timeframe. All the fireplaces were going that I can remember and all the parents were out of town on vacation. Someone got the wild idea of playing with a Ouija board. Some of us were okay with it. However, most of the girls were not so we decided to go into the living room and move all of the furniture to the edge of the room. We all gathered in a circle and some were just sitting on the couch. A friend started talking and asking it questions. Now I was a little skeptical, but I decided to play along with it and this went on for 30 to 45 minutes. Finally, he asked something that made everyone look at each other like what the F? Like why would you ask that? He said, Will any of us be murdered or killed soon? Now, this small town was Gilmer, Texas, which at that current time, they were still dealing with the Kelly Wilson disappearance. John said that the planchette on the Ouija board flew off the board and just barely missed the head of a girl named Brandy, and it landed in the fireplace. We all jumped up and ran into the adjacent room and locked the door. We moved the beds against the two doors and all just chilled there for a bit. Finally, we all fell asleep. Now the room was packed with a bunch of individuals sleeping and it had a little bit of a room to do anything in. We woke up the next morning and the Ouija board and planchette were in the middle of the room with it pointing at yes. No one had got up and brought it in there. They would have had to move a bed and there was no room for that needless to say it freaked us the f out we never partied there again brandy the girl who almost got her head taken off by the planchette ended up being the first of our class to pass away she was beaten and strangled to death a few years after we graduated And he ended up linking a Texas court case appeals um, where an individual named Keith Antonio Getter versus the state of Texas, where uh, this Keith Antonio Getter was charged with murdering his wife Brandy by strangulation on Monday, October 23rd, 2000 and the city of Gilmer, Texas, received an anonymous phone call informing them that a dead body could be found inside that home. Wow. So that is the uh, end of John's story.
3: That's tragic.
2: Yeah, it is. It's sad for Brandy, and I would be completely freaked out if that happened to me. So who wants to play with a Ouija board next month? Oh, you know me. No, I'm just kidding. All right, Hans, tell about this next ghost story we had submitted to us. Well, this next ghost story is submitted by
3: Mark A. And it goes, my family would usually take a trip to San Antonio, Texas every few years. Back in the 1930s or 40s, a school bus stalled on railroad tracks and a train was coming, but there wasn't enough time for the bus driver to take everyone out. 10 kids and the driver died from the collision and to this day the tracks are famous for putting baby powder on your car putting it on the tracks shifting it to neutral and waiting for the car to be pushed by the ghost children off the tracks the baby powder is used to see handprints on the vehicle and if you look close enough In some of the pictures I provided from my family's last trip, you can see more than just fingerprints, such as something that looks like a face and the word we. But it's up for speculation. Let's look at these pictures. Oh, dude, that's creepy.
2: All right, we'll have these pictures on our website. You can go to theoriesofthethirdkind.com, go to References tab, and scroll down to Ghost Stories, and we'll have these pictures, except the last one, which is, Obviously an imprint of a penis on a car. I was gonna say that too.
0: Yeah, the the third picture, uh have the fingerprints on the door, then you see a cigarette bud, so the kids must have got done smoking, decided to leave.
2: Yeah. So I actually am originally from Texas. I'm familiar uh, with this train story. I hate to break it to you, but that never happened in San Antonio. That happened in Salt Lake City. So it was actually in nineteen thirty eight. Uh, a school bus was heading to Jordan High School and it was driving through like a really bad winter storm and um, a loaded Denver and Rio Grande freight train uh, was heading towards Salt Lake City and at the crossing of 10 South and 400 West, the school bus driver stopped the bus and he opened the door to look beyond like the thick fog but did not see the train approaching at over 50 miles an hour. And then at 8.43 a.m., the bus pulled slowly forward across the tracks. And upon seeing the bus, the train crew immediately slammed on the brakes, but they ended up hitting uh, the bus and killed 23 children, and 15 of them survived, but they faced, like, a lifetime of, like, physical injuries and emotional scars. And when this happened, uh, like, every newspaper article picked this up, so, it was printed on the San Antonio newspaper's uh, headlines. So, maybe that's why it, it is like a, I guess I wouldn't say a myth, but pretty much is uh, in San Antonio. Um, but I did look for any like railroad accidents or anything like that from San Antonio. And there's a small city right outside of it called New Bronzeville. And on March 28th, 1920, there was a train accident there. Uh, it was Easter Sunday, and there was a small family that was driving a Model T car. And uh, they ended up crossing the railroad tracks but was struck by a train at full speed. Their car rolled over, and six of them, six members uh, died. The mother, her three daughters, a son-in-law, and a granddaughter. So, me, eh, I guess kind of. I mean, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but... The fingerprints could have been the kids from that 1920s crash. But I think, I want to say that, like, every school that has a train track near it in a cemetery has this story of getting handprints on your car. I know my school did. My high school did. Did y'all's? No. No, we were just told that you don't go wandering out in the cornfield because the corn people get you. What about the trolls under the bridge? Nope. No? Okay. Never mind. Maybe not everybody. But thank you for the story, Mark. Alright, so our next story is going to actually be told by the person themselves instead of us reading it. It's a short uh, minute 30 clip of them telling their ghost story. Before we do that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And then we're going to play that story. Alright, now that we're back, let's play that short ghost story right now
1: theories of the third kind so I tend to ramble on a lot so I'm just going to go ahead and get straight to the point. So when I was a child about seven or eight nine ish I used to live in this house and almost every morning I would wake up and I would look over to my door and I would see like a handyman or a repairman always like fixing my door. At first like I used to get scared but I started just chalking it up to my imagination so I would just see it and just like look over and go back to bed and then wake up and it wouldn't be there anymore. So the crazy part is that after we ended up moving from that house, me and my older brother were on Google and we were just looking around searching and we decided to search up our old house So we searched it up and we were just going through details, stuff like that. And we ended up seeing that the guy that lived before us was a handyman and he died in that house. And I'm not sure if it was in that room or not. But still, the fact that we did not know that until after we moved and knowing that we saw that. Every day almost just sends chills down my spine. I'm just, I just got chills talking about it right now. But yeah, that's my ghost story.
2: All right. Well, that's a good story. Thank you for sharing that. Did you ever think there was something really wrong with your door? It's like, why would, out of all the things in the house, why the door? You to fix anything else? Yeah, like you've been fixing that for five mornings straight, bud.
3: What the hell is wrong with it?
2: You know, his story reminds me a lot of the Burning Man story. No, 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 no. It's my own personal story that's very similar to to that story. But anyways, thank you again for that story. Excellent. Love it.
0: It was a good story. I liked it.
2: Yep. All right. So let's go on to the next one, which is from Josh. So, Hans, you want to tell us the story from Josh?
3: Hey, guys, my name is Josh. I'm from Costa Rica, and before sharing my story, I wanted to say that I really enjoy listening to the show while working. It really makes my time fly. So, here goes my story. About three years ago, I started having strange dreams. And in those dreams, there were always strange beings. Kind of demonic-looking faces interacting with me. Every time that I had these dreams... I woke up at 3.15 am and I could feel a sense of something being in my room. One of those many nights I was having a dream where there was this creepy being that talked to me and grabbed my leg and I swear that I woke up hyperventilating since I was able to feel something actually touching me in real life and by the way I live alone. I don't know how to explain this since till this day, it really freaks me out. But on that night that I woke up, there was this kind of spiritual battle inside of me. The way that I can describe this experience is that I felt and sensed a calming and peaceful spirit in my room, or whatever it was, fighting with this bad entity. And believe it or not, I felt that if my body was being controlled by the peaceful, something to suppress the bad spirit. And I say this because, at that moment, some words came out of my mouth as if I was talking to me in third person. Basically, like if I was talking to myself, but it was not actually me. There were many more details to include that night, but I don't want to make this email longer. But anyways, guys, that's my story. Hope it can get shared. Keep on rocking with the show and let me know, replying to this email, if I can send some souvenirs from Costa Rica. Well, of course you can, Josh. Yeah, just send it to our P.O. Box. Yep, go online, you'll find it. Dan will distribute them out.
0: Easier. Yes,
2: yep. But thank you for the story and sharing it and much love.
0: Yeah, much love.
2: It seems like these entities or whatever they are are actually able to touch you, which I kind of thought they couldn't. I thought they could influence other people to touch you or whatever, but I guess they can touch you. But anyways, thanks for the story, Josh. All right, so this next ghost story comes from Stacy C. She starts off the email with, Hey, guys, my name is Stacy, and I live in Wells in the United Kingdom. Just wanted to share this story with you, for it might be of interest for your ghost story episode this year. She starts off the story by saying, So a few years ago, my best friend got pregnant. She moved into her new house, decorated it, and got it ready for the baby. Her boyfriend worked away from home at the time, so she spent a lot of time home alone at her house and would ask me to stay with her all the time. I obviously did, being her best friend and all so I would pack my bag and sleep at her house for a few days at a time. We would always sleep in the same bed. No funny business, just for snuggles. One night, I noticed how cold it was, so I got out of the bed and went to put the heating on. In the UK, we don't really have AC, but a heating system because it's cold here most of the year. I got back into bed and snuggled in. During the night, something woke me up. I opened my eyes and it was lying in bed facing the bedroom window where a silhouette of a person stood. It was medium height looking out of the window and was completely still. I called my friend's name thinking it was her and got no response. I looked at the figure and I called on my friend's name again and she responded this time with a grunt, but her voice came from behind me. I turned my head to see her sleeping behind me in the bed I immediately turned back to the window but the figure had disappeared safe to say I struggled to sleep for the rest of the night and when I woke up I told my friend about what had happened her reaction surprised me and she said yeah stuff like that happens all the time in this house didn't I tell you about the woman who lived here before she then proceeded to tell me about the alcoholic woman who lived in the house before her who had drunk so much one night and had fallen down the stairs and died. She laid there for four days before a family member found her. Safe to say, I never stayed at her house after that. But she was more than welcome at mine, where no one had fallen down the stairs. You guys are fabulous. Love ya, and I'm proud of you. Well, thank you for sharing your story, Stacy.
0: I'd be like, uh, you should have told me that story way before I stayed here. Yeah, exactly. I mean... Something you should mention. Just saying.
2: Yeah. Um, I wonder if she got a deal on the house because the lady fell down it and died and stayed there for four days. Oh, by the way, do you have to replace your wooden floors if someone dies and stays there for four days? Is the juices of the body, does it seep through?
0: Did you hear the say juices? <laughs> <laughs> Ju-
2: juices of the body. Hans, you would know this. mm Yeah, I mean, I would say so. All right. Well, (laughs) thank you for the story, Stacy. That was good. Much love. All right. So let's go on to the next story. Who's got that one? I got it. All right, Dan, let's hear it. It's from a guy named Robert.
0: All right. He starts off the email with, My name is Robert. I'm a corrections officer in the state of Arizona, and my story takes place inside the unit I work in. During my first few weeks in OJT, I was told many stories surrounding the mythical house eight. I didn't believe any of them until something finally happened to me. To understand this story, you need to imagine the layout of the officer cage. To the front and right of you, there are two big windows to monitor inmates. On the far right next to the windows, there's a metal ladder going to the roof with an escape hatch in case of a riot or disturbance. Going up the ladder, You can see there are two roofs, one is the real thing, and the other is just drywall. So in between, there is a small crawl space where some old fence is stored. One night, I was making some coffee in the officer's cage to try and stay awake. It was around 2 or 3 in the morning, as I reached into the microwave to take my cup of hot water out, I hear some loud thuds on the drywall roof walking towards me. Slowly I look up, thinking it might be a cat or something, but then I realized they sounded too heavy to be a cat. They sounded more like footsteps. So while I think it over in my head, I reach into the microwave again, and as soon as I touch my cup, I hear running on the roof towards the escape hatch. And as I let go of the cup, the light sensor on the escape hatch door turns on immediately. I jump out of the officer cage terrified and grab my flashlight. Slowly, I get enough courage to flash my light up the ladder, and nothing is there. Then fearing an inmate somehow escaped, I climb up the ladder and unlock the escape hatch, only finding there is nothing up there but me. This was when that house still had inmates. At the moment, it is empty, and occasionally I would hear something tap the windows despite it being empty. So that was his story.
2: Yeah, he had a couple shout-outs on the email too, Grivjalva and Medrano. Yeah. Sorry if we butchered your names. Shout-out to you. Love you. Shout-out. Yeah, and uh, thank you, Robert, for that sharing your story with us. Uh, You know, that's not the only story we've gotten from a correctional officer.
0: Didn't we, we had some way back, I remember.
2: Yeah, yeah, way back we had a couple people email us about their ghost story while they were working in prison. So, really weird. Must be the evil spirits that, you know, attach themselves to the people there. Yeah. I don't know, just a theory. So let's head to our next ghost story which is from Jessica W. Before we do that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So there you go, Hans. Let's hear it.
3: I've had many experiences since I was a small child, but there is one experience that has stuck with me the most because it lasted a couple years and was terrifying. I was living in an older house at the time, going through a really dark time with a breakup and just being really depressed. Weird stuff had happened in my house on a few occasions, but it's almost like my depression intensified whatever was there and made me an easy target. I would be watching TV or just in my room, and then all of a sudden, like I had just snapped out of something. And then I'd look at the clock, and a few hours had passed. Also, one time, my friend stopped by to see how I was doing, and he said that I was laying in my bed and started yelling at him in a weird voice to go away. Which was super creepy because I didn't even remember that he had even stopped by, let alone said anything to him. There was a really dark, weird presence felt in the house. Not by just me, but my friends and family. It started getting worse as well. Pictures started coming off the walls. Random things would fly across the room, even sometimes hitting me. Drawers would fling open all the time. I would wake up and have what looks like little bite marks all over my legs and ankles which were quite scary. Whatever was in my house loved messing with the electronics. Every single TV in my house broke. My phone broke and everything was just having issues nonstop. One time I was watching TV and a thick cloud of what looked like smoke started coming out of the floor. This happened a couple times. One time a friend came over And I was telling him all about the weird stuff going on and how crazy it was. And he he wasn't taking me seriously. Just kind of joking around about it. Grabbed this cross I had that was a family heirloom and turned it upside down. And all of a sudden the power went out in my entire house. I have too many scary and unexplained events that have happened to me throughout my life. But this was by far the scariest supernatural encounter I had. I hired countless shamans, psychics, and whoever else I could find to get rid of what it was, but nothing worked. I ended up moving. I thought it was over, but was still having weird things happen. The only thing that has helped me is doing a lot of self-work and not being fearful when something weird happens because I think whatever it was definitely fed off fear and then would intensify. I am in a really good place in my life now, and weird stuff happens every once in a while, but nothing like it used to, so hopefully that'll continue. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention, I was renting out my basement to a friend, and when they moved, they left some belongings behind and in the stuff, With some books on the occult, Satan, and rituals. I think that the veil to the supernatural world has always been thin for me, but him doing whatever with those books on the floor below me made it worse. Thanks for reading my experience, and I love theories of the third kind. P.S. I do have a couple videos still. I'm pretty sure of a few weird things I recorded. I'll see if I can dig them up and send them in sometime. Jessica W. Well, guess what, Jessica? That was a creepy-ass freaking story.
2: Loved it, and we love you. Yeah, and send those videos in. We'd love to see it, but thank you so much for sharing that story. Ooh. Oh, dude, I would slap the dog crap out of my friend if he grabbed a cross
3: and turned it upside down, and the power went out. Right? Oh, yeah. I'd crap myself. I'd
2: drop kick him, stone cold stun him.
0: Boom.
3: Watch out, watch out, watch out.
2: All right, so let's move on to the next story, which is from Heather B. So Heather B starts off the story with, It was 2008, and me and my husband were living in Iowa. We had just moved there from our home state for my husband's job. And it was an extremely crazy year. It was stress, upheaval, and negative energy in our lives. And even within our marriage, we were renting a cute little bungalow style house that was built in the 1920s. It was very tiny, but suited us because we had just, you know, had, a, had each other and had a dog and two cats at the time. There was no kids. Cute as the house was, it had a kind of creepy basement and an odd feature in the kitchen, a pantry with stairs for shelving. Literally. The shelves were stairs that had clearly led to the attic at some point but had been blocked off. We'd been living there for about 8 months when strange things started happening. We went out to eat one evening and when we came home, the bathroom sink faucet was turned on. At first, I thought maybe I'd left it on, but that was unlike me to do something like that. I knew it couldn't have just been me. A couple nights later, on a cold December night, my husband and I were asleep in our bed. I became aware of a sensation of a pressing down on the foot of our bed. My half asleep mind thought maybe it was one of our cats jumping up on the bed, but this was more firm in a sustained pressure. I wear glasses by the way and I'm, I'm blind as a bat without them, but as I became more awake I could sense something in the room at the foot of the bed not the cats. I then became aware of a dark form moving along the end of the bed. It crossed in front of the window, which a street lamp was shining in, turned and went out the bedroom door down the hallway, and then turned out to the living room. I was just about to wake my husband up when he said, what the was that he had been awake and watched the figure at the same time and neither of us knew the other was awake to add to this creepiness factor our dog who had been asleep in the room with us got up and followed the figure out of the bedroom door to the living room clearly she thought it was one of us so me my husband and our damn dog all witnessed the same thing My husband said he thought it was me getting up to go to the bathroom or getting a drink, and said he was about to ask me to get him a drink when he realized I was still in bed. Needless to say, neither of us slept anymore that night, and I'm pretty sure this was around 3am. Maybe a week or two later, I was laying in bed one morning after my husband had gotten up and left for work. We had a large bed, and the bedroom was small. My side of the bed was pretty close to the wall, just enough room for me to squeeze out. I was laying with my back to the wall, half asleep, when I felt a distinct firm poking in the middle of my back three times, three delicate pokes like a finger. For a split second, I thought it was the dog poking me with her nose, but as close as the bed was to the wall, I knew she wouldn't have fit. She was a big German Shepherd and it didn't feel like a nose. I immediately screamed and scrambled the hell across and out of that bed. I had had enough and I started to research how to cleanse the house. I started doing a daily ritual in my bedroom. I burned a candle and wrote a note asking the spirit, entity, whatever it was, to leave. I spoke out loud to ask it to leave throughout the house for seven days. Nothing else happened after that. We ended up moving out of the house a couple months later. And that's my story. Well, thank you, Heather. That was absolutely uh, scary for you and your husband to see that figure floating across your room or walking across your room. And then for you to get tapped in the back. I would not be staying in the room after that. No. No, I wouldn't. I'd still ask it to get me a water, though. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, uh, can you, while you're up, can you get me a water? Can you give me a liter of cola?
0: The next thing you know, this ghost is f***ing waterboarding you.
2: So anyways, thank you for that, Heather B., for sharing your story. We appreciate it. All right, uh, Dan, do you want to tell us about this next story from Austin?
0: All right, so he starts off with, This was a story told to me by my father, who has lived in New Hampshire his entire life, and he is 51 years old. He's a well-known fireman and knows a lot of people and knows New Hampshire fairly well. This story you told me reminded me of one of the stories on one of your recent videos about some big creature spotted by a group of campers in northern New Hampshire. So my dad grew up in northern New Hampshire in a small town. One thing people know about in those areas is the haunted mines. And I guess it's a popular spot for people to go for adventures and to see if they get any activity. When my dad was in high school, so about 30 years ago, He was dating this girl that was into adventurous things and was down for about anything. My dad was never fearful of anything, but this story really seemed to get to him. Him and his girlfriend at the time decided that a cool date idea would be to go to these mines and explore and see if they experienced anything. On the way there, he took a wrong turn down a long dirt road. This dirt road led to an abandoned sawmill. The sawmill had been abandoned for quite some time, and was known for paranormal activity and also was known for cults to go there and sacrifice animals and worship the devil. Knowing this, my dad didn't want to stick around, not because of the paranormal aspect, but he didn't want to be the next cult sacrifice. As he went to do a three-point turn and leave, the front doors to the sawmill swung open and slammed, and out walked an eight-foot-tall creature. He described it as alien-like, saying it had huge red glowing eyes and a big black body. He swung his trunk around and sped off, still able to see the creature in his rearview mirror. Luckily, he was able to get out of there, but he had no clue what this creature was and claimed he has never felt that scared before. Not even running into burning buildings has scared him as much as this experience has. He never told many people about it as he didn't want to be considered crazy. And where he knew everyone in the small town he grew up in, he didn't want to ruin his reputation or family's reputation. The few people he has told never seen or heard of anything like that creature. No one knows if it was a demon, alien, or undiscovered creature or what it was. I know New Hampshire has a lot of forested areas and abandoned older places, so who knows what could be out there. I hope you enjoy the story and maybe you or someone else may know what this could have been. Or knows more about the area. By the way, keep up the great work and great podcasts. I absolutely love them.
2: Thank you for that, Austin. Um, New Hampshire is just south of Maine. It's the next state over. Uh, and I'm extremely close to New Hampshire. And I'm fairly familiar with a lot of the cryptids in the area. And even not in the New Hampshire area, uh, but worldwide, I've never heard of an eight-foot-tall creature that looked like an alien with red glowing eyes and a big black body. Can you think of any cryptid, Dan or
0: Hans? Not in that area. I mean, as many times as I've been there and stayed there talking to people from a uh, local area, I've never heard of anything like that. And they told me some crazy-ass stories.
2: You know, there was that one cryptid, the Flatwoods monster that had the red glowing eyes but I thought his eyes was more orange Um The only thing I can think of besides that is the um, Mothman. The Mothman would be very similar, right? Extremely tall, looks like an alien, red eyes. So, I don't know. Where's the Mothman located? New Jersey? No, it's Jersey Devil, right?
3: Oh, okay, Ohio. Isn't that right?
2: Uh, West Virginia. Oh, yeah, West Virginia. Oh, that's right, Point Pleasant. Mm Mm-hmm. They have a statue of them. Thank you for that story, Austin.
0: Yeah, thank you.
2: All right, um, so our next ghost story submission is from Alan. Hans, do you want to start it off?
3: Hey, guys, I'm Alan. A few years ago, I started suffering from what I considered an extreme case of sleep paralysis. And started seeing things that would make me question reality. On these sleep paralysis episodes, I would see a tall dark figure at my door. Or aggressive distorted shadow figures in my room. It started happening so often that I started my research and came across the hat man. And I realized I wasn't the only one to see him. There is even a movie about him on Amazon. But throughout my research, I came across the dark watchers who were seen by early Spanish American settlers in California. And no shit, I come from Spanish blood. These things have been terrorizing me for a few years now and I can't stop them. Wherever I go, it happens at random. I was even in Corpus Christi and saw them at an airbnb it's like i'm jumping into a different reality realm or parallel universe a more scary one it's exactly the same you were curious and everything is exactly the same just these ominous creatures are there i'm 26 i don't take sleeping medications or do drugs i don't have schizophrenia or have a sleeping disorder I can feel myself drifting into sleep paralysis, everything gets so loud, and when the hatman comes, I can hear him, walking, distorting the sounds of the TV, or the fan in front of my bed, it's too late, you can't wake up, I can't move, my neck starts to cramp, wake up, he's just there standing there watching me, he's so tall, Nightlights don't work. They don't care if it's daytime. They don't care if you pray. You can hear them pushing doors open and walking towards you. I don't know. Maybe sleep paralysis is the key to the underworld. What do you guys think is happening? Love you guys. Proud of you. Happy Hans is okay. Me too, bud. Happy spooky season. Don't sleep on your back. They like that shit. Bigfoot.
0: 2024.
2: Dang. And that's intense.
0: That was intense.
2: Yeah, he did provide some pictures that you could just uh find online if you look up um The Hat Man. You know, it reminds me of what we talked about. I think it was with you, Dan, me and you, we talked about that kind of like that stranger things alternate uh universe or that parallel universe, you know. Oh yeah. That you can just tap into and maybe that's what ghosts are. That they're beings in this other universe that are on the same or other realm or something that are on the same earth as you. And maybe Alan is just tapping into that. And he's seeing these beings that are there. You know, I remember doing an on the scene with somebody that said they seen the hat man.
0: I want to say that I remember hearing someone talk about the hat man. So it might've been that
2: there've been a couple stories submitted of individuals seeing a man with a hat, um, an all dark figure with a big top hat at the end of their bed. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Well, thank you for that again, uh, Alan. Love you. Thank you. All right. So let's go to the next, uh, ghost story, which is from Aubrey C. She starts off her email with, I wasn't going to send in any of my supernatural experiences, but after hearing Dan's story, I felt like I had to share mine. Both of my stories are short and happened years apart in two different houses. My immediately family has always poked fun of me for being quote-unquote sensitive to supernatural things. A lot of my cousins also have experiences with the supernatural but I digress. When I was younger, I was visited numerous times by an old woman. This always happened early in the morning and I would wake up to this woman inches away from my face as if she was watching me sleep. The vibe I got was not a good one and I would scream, immediately hide under the covers and start singing a hymn from church. When I graduated from high school, my parents moved I was home for a Christmas break and asleep in my room. Now I'm a side sleeper and was facing my closet, which I always kept closed by the way. I woke up once again early in the morning, probably 2 or 3 a.m., and my closet door is wide open. Standing in my closet was a ghostly figure of a girl, maybe 12 or 13 years old. I could see right through her but could still see the details of her clothes and hair. Like Dan's experience, this spirit had black holes for her eyes and mouth. Her mouth looked like it was almost unhinged with how big it was. I screamed and flipped over to my other side. When I did that, the spirit turned into an orb and followed me, flying out of the window that I was now facing. The previous owner was a teacher who lived there her whole life, and the floor in my room has dents from when she would wear heels. Super freaky, and I've seen things in the house that I now live in. Uh, by the way, a man hung himself in my bedroom. Uh, I've also seen tall gray aliens when I was a teenager, but that's another story for another day. Love you guys. Well, we love you. Damn, yeah. We also want to hear that story about the aliens. Hell yes, yeah, send that over. But thank you for sharing that uh, those uh, ghost stories with us. I w- wouldn't know what I'd do if uh, an old woman uh, approached me when I was sleeping and I didn't know who it was. I think I'd try to fight an old lady. I mean, I would get, I don't know
3: how I feels living in that house knowing that some dude hung himself in, the, in your bedroom. I don't know how I'd feel about that.
2: I used to live in a house with my mom. Uh, it was actually a duplex. And she got it for really cheap and I always was freaked out by my room. And then I found out some dude was doing the auto erotica asphyxiation or whatever in that room that I was in and right before we moved in and he ended up dying and he died like right there in my room, beating it, wang out and all sucks. But uh, thank you for that story, uh, Aubrey. Yes. Thank you for that story. Good one. And we're looking forward to hearing the alien. All right. So let's move on to the next story, which is from Max.
0: So the story starts off with him saying, I live in an 1800s farmhouse in Connecticut. From record, it says that there was an old couple and a maid that lived there for the longest time. But there was a bad fire in the house, killing all three. When my parents first bought the house, The neighbors were shocked and stated that they have seen people standing in the window and lights turning on. Every now and then, late at night, you can hear footsteps on the stairs. So my dad set up a motion tracker on them and every night for a week it would go off at 2am. So he decided to set up a camera facing the stairs and let it record overnight. When he went to check the footage, the next morning it was gone. There was a 20 second clip that went static right at 2am. There's a lot of stories I can tell, but I'll give you the good stuff. When I was younger, me and my brother would sleep in the same room on bunk beds, and he can also state this word for word, that a basketball from my room floated up, hit me in the head, or things would go missing, then reappear a week later where you thought you left it. Sometimes I'll feel a gentle hair pull and look behind me to nobody there. My mom states that one time she was getting ready in the bathroom when a dark shadow walked across the bathroom from one wall right through the other. Another instance is when I was showering and I was the only one home and I heard a loud aggressive banging on the door that lasted a while. So I quickly got out and peeked my head out the door. Then I remembered I was the only one home at the time. The most recent one is where I went downstairs to get some water and we always leave the kitchen light on overnight. It's the only light On overnight in the house and I decided to use the bathroom first but which is on the same floor and I noticed the kitchen light was out but didn't think much of it but I was wrong when I walked out of the bathroom the light was on and the drawer in the fridge and the freezer was everything was wide open at that moment I decided I wasn't thirsty and walked back to my room or late at night I'll be watching a movie downstairs and just hear banging on the door, or even hear the front door open.
3: Well,
2: man, I wouldn't be staying in that house. No, no, no.
3: Kind of reminds me when uh, my dad used to live at uh, my godfather's house, my Uncle Dickie's. Ooh, I got a story about that
2: place, the infamous Blue House. Well, you know, uh, if you got a story about it, if it's a ghost story, I think we're going to transition now into we're each going to tell our own personal ghost story that we have. And then um, then we'll roll on to the end of the episode because we're kind of running short on time. So again, thank you, Max, for your ghost uh, submit story submission. And I'm sorry if we didn't get to your ghost story. Uh, we got a lot of emails, a lot of ghost stories submitted, a lot more than I thought we would. So we do have a lot of leftovers. So we will be doing another episode of ghost stories in the future and we will include your story because we ended up starring all the emails that we didn't uh, get to. But thank you everyone for your submission. Uh, Now we're going to roll into our own kind of personal ghost stories, kind of short ones. Uh, But Hans, I'll let you start it off with what you were about to say.
3: Yeah, so uh, my dad and I were living with my uh, Uncle Dickie. This is when uh, my parents are getting divorced. And uh, we always called this house the infamous blue house because it was bright blue. And uh, it was haunted. We would hear drawers open up in the middle of the night, um, dishes being thrown out of the cupboard. And I'll never forget, I was watching The Mummy up in my dad's room, and all of a sudden the TV shut off. And in the reflection of the TV, there was a shadow in the doorway. I turned around, it wasn't my dad. There was nothing there. Oh, I went running down those stairs. I think I tripped down the last, like, eight steps. It was, like, falling down stairs. My dad was down there smoking a cigarette and drinking a beer. And my Uncle Dickie's like, Boy, what the fuck you doing running in the house like that, goddammit? Snap your fucking neck. <laughs> and God bless my Uncle Dickie. He was a man of many talents. He had an eight-foot unicycle that he'd ride down the street with a beer in hand and his marble, Damn. You know, marble red in the other. And he was a short skinny man but yeah that was like his house is pretty haunted
2: damn
3: but i attribute that because he lives at a place where um a big native american battle happened with the u.s army
2: and you think that their spirits are affecting the home
3: oh all, all over the town oh yeah a lot of people like talk about They'll wake up with their lights turned on or the the heat will be turned to A.C. in the dead of winter
2: or vice versa. I do that shit.
0: they making our electricity bill go up.
2: I got to sleep with it like negative 200 degrees. It has to be cold. The colder the better. I can't sleep in the heat. I know when we were in Maine, I remember laying in bed. I said, I'm like a reptilian. I said, why the hell
3: do I feel the fucking wind coming in this bedroom? And it was the bedroom you first slept in when you all were jumping on the bed. <laughs> yeah, that fucking night you woke me up because I went in there that next night. I was laying there and said, I mean, it's comfortable, but damn, the wind is blowing in here. And I looked over and the
2: window's wide open. I'm like, yeah, and the blankets were super thin. Yeah, they were. That's why we had to cuddle for warmth. Yep. Well, thank you for sharing that story with us, Hans and Uncle Dicky. Rest
0: in peace. Uncle Dick.
2: No, he's still here. He's a. Oh, <laughs> oh never mind. Not rested. <laughs> I haven't seen him in years. Um. So I got a quick. I guess you could call it a ghost story. Back in the day, my parents and me and my brother used to live on a peanut farm. And this is when I was like real, real young. I was like two or three. And that house, I remember laying in my bed in my room. I could look at the opening of my door and I could see into my brother's room And my brother could look at the opening of his door and see into my room. And we had our beds positioned to where we could look and see each other asleep in the middle of the night. Well, my mom would leave our doors open and we could see each other at nighttime when our eyes adjusted to the light. Well, often I would lay there in that bed in my Ninja Turtle covers and I would stare at the ceiling and confetti would fall down on top of me. And cover me. And I wasn't dreaming. Like it was real confetti would come out of the ceiling and fill my room up. It was crazy. And I vividly remember seeing the confetti and getting nervous and taking my um, Ninja Turtle uh, cover blanket and chewing on it. Because that's what I did when I was younger. I'd get nervous and I'd chew on my blanket. And it'd piss my mom off. She'd be like, quit chewing on your blanket. You know. But that happened. Um, Another weird thing about the house is that my brother was screaming for my mom one night. And my mom came inside there and uh, said, hey, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why are you screaming? And he insisted, hey, turn Aaron's light on. My mother was like, what are you talking about? He's like, turn Aaron's light on. Well, apparently my brother had saw a shadow come from my closet, which you can only get to my closet if you crawl through the window or you... Uh, walk through the front door, and my brother said he didn't see anybody walk in, but he saw a shadow come from my closet, walk over to my bed, take the blanket, and cover it completely over my head. The shadow turned towards him, and put the shh, the, like the, put the pointy finger up to his lips to tell him to be quiet, and then turned around and walked back into the closet. And my brother swore, and still swears to that story to this day. So, maybe it was like a, a demon from the future, knowing that I was going to do an episode over demons on the Patreon, by the way, and he went back to try to kill me, and my brother saved me. You know what? I think that's exactly it.
3: Sarah O'Connor,
2: I have come to kill... (laughs) Sarah O'Connor, Aaron, (laughs) we have come to kill you. Do not do a demon episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, Oh, man! I mean, your brother can come up with some funny-ass stuff, but I don't think he'd make up something like that, though.
2: No, he, he wouldn't. Not if he still swears to it. Yeah. Yeah, he still, to to this day, he does. But, yeah, that's mine. Dan, do you have anything that happened to you?
0: I'm trying to think if there's any other stories I had.
2: Let's, let's hear it. There's that one time you said that you ended up going fishing, and it was nighttime right sun was setting and you said something about like some being or entity came out of the water and walked into the forest oh so i don't know if it was a ghost or something like
0: that but it definitely was like an apparition of some sort where i live probably a couple miles away there's a golf course and it's on a there's a body of water near it and there was this pump house that me and my buddies always went to when we go fishing prime spot cuz you know the golf course had like little ponds there and we could always get like little bait fish from it and then we'd use that to go cast out into the lake and you know we'd catch decent you know catfish bass whatever cuz there was like a channel like right across from the pump house we stayed the night at my friend's house that was that lived pretty much right by the golf course and we end up getting all of our fishing stuff and You know, we decided to go fish at the pump house, you know, take a couple of lights with us, radio. But we're at this pump house and we're just throwing out into the channel, just trying to catch some catfish and stuff. You know, there was some drinking involved, possibly, but you know, it was like a full moon that night, and we're just fishing out there, and we end up seeing something coming across from the little island across the channel. But this thing wasn't in the water really. It was actually floating across the water and you know with only the moonlight you know shining down the only thing we could really see was kind of the shape of it and I'm not gonna say that it was a woman but it definitely looked like a woman but it kind of like floated across the water and it kind of stopped when it noticed us with our lights on at the pump house and just kind of staying there and just staring at us and we're just like looking at each other like Like, what the hell is that? And it was like slowly coming towards our way. So we're like looking across from this thing and we're just like, all right, uh, I think we're done fishing for the night. So like we start packing our stuff as we're keeping an eye on this thing. And as we start like walking away, we're not like turning our backs to this thing at all because we still don't know what it is. And it's just like kind of standing out there. And then as we start backing away off the little pump house pier, it starts moving closer. To this point now, we're at the end of the pier, and we're just like, all right, we have to book it, because we don't know what the hell this thing is, and it's still coming at us. But so we're running with our tackle. So we end up taking off across the golf course, and like his house is probably about a mile or
2: so. Then didn't it just turn out to be a duck? It turned out to be a duck. (laughs) Oh, man. Was that before or after y'all did the mushrooms, though?
0: That was actually before. Oh, okay. When When we took the mushrooms... It actually balanced us out from all the alcohol and stuff, and we realized it was just a duck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, thank you for sharing that story, Dan. Oh, you're yeah, welcome. Thank you.
0: I ain't fishing at the pump house again, though.
2: So uh, that's the end of our uh, ghost story episode, listener edition. 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 I want to thank everybody for uh, submitting in your stories. Again, if we didn't get to you. Uh, We will get to you eventually when we do another uh, ghost stories or listener submitted story or something like that. We ended up saving all the emails that we didn't get to. Uh, Now, I guess we're going to move to on the scene. Yeah. All right. So, if you aren't familiar with what an on the scene is, it's basically where a listener uh, goes out into the street and interviews somebody or anyone, and asks them about current conspiracy happenings. So that means you, yes, you, the listener, can go out and uh, record anybody, uh, you interviewing anybody, uh, make sure the audio is less than two minutes long, and send it to one of our emails, which is either dan or Aaron, or hans at theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and uh, you could be played on our on-the-scene episode. So this week, uh, our on-the-scene comes from Chad M, so we're going to play that right now.
4: G'day guys, my name's um, Chad, uh, a long-time listener of Theories of the Third Kind. On the scene, um, I'm interviewing my son, Riley, who's eight years old, so here we go. Riley, do you believe in UFOs? Yeah. And why is that, mate?
2: Well, there's mathematical
4: proof that it's impossible that we are the only
1: living species. It's impossible.
4: Wow. Um, do you believe in ghosts and cryptids and
1: you saw a ghost? Oh, of course, I do.
4: Yeah, I did too when I was little. Yeah, a long time ago. Um, and what's your favorite episode of theories of the third kind that you've listened to with me?
1: The cloning
4: one. The The cloning cloning one. one. That was one of the last ones we listened to. Yeah. Didn't they say on there that Eminem might be a clone? (laughs) Do you think Eminem's a clone?
1: Well, I listen to him quite a lot, so I don't really think so. No,
4: I don't think so either. I don't think so. Anyhow, guys, um, that's Chad and Riley from the beautiful Hunter Valley, New South Wales, Australia. Um, Just put my two cents worth in there, but... Boys, my favorite episode is uh, Galactic Federation one, uh, one of the first ones I listened to. So I haven't heard
1: that one.
4: Yeah, that was one of the first ones I started listening to. Anyhow, boys, keep up the good work um, and say cheerio to my sister Amanda. She's also a fan. Hmm. Bye.
2: Chad, Riley, great on the scene. I love it. Dude, it was a good one. It's a great one. That's why we kind of started bleeping out. Some of the cuss words, just cause you know, you got young listeners.
0: Mm-hmm. Sorry, trying
2: to expand our vocabulary away from that, so they don't get in trouble at school. You know, we don't want them running around dropping f bombs. No. Yeah. so we just want them dropping knowledge bombs, knowledge nuggets. Riley, go in school. Tell your tell your children, look, the Illuminati are sacrificing us. Not just kid, don't say that. But yeah, thank you for the on the scene interview, uh, and for the compliments we love you and uh, also shout out to Amanda. Yes, shout out. All right. Um so I guess now we roll into shout outs real quick. I just have a few. I don't have a I don't have a lot. So I want to shout out Cody Tracy Joe Mama, Jonathan Smith, Stephen Ballen. Bolin, Ballin, Ballin, Jason, Nelly, and let me see what other shout-outs I got on Instagram. All right, so Brian Sanchez, Tosh Waco, Lisa Moyer, uh, Resonator, Keith Muzz, or Mose, Moose. I shouted you out last week, and I still screwed up your last name this week again. I'm sorry. And that's it. So Dan, who do you have for shout outs this week?
0: Uh I just got a couple. Uh Page B. I don't want to say y'all's last name, I don't want to dox anybody. Page B, Jeff B, Gigi S, Ryan S, Daryl C, um, Eric T, John Donald H the Third, uh Bobby C, Hunter W, Jacob H, Steve P, Gabriel A, and Justin C. Nice. That's all I got for Facebook. I'm saving Instagram and
2: emails for next next week. All right. What about you, Hans? You got any quick shout outs?
3: Yeah, I'll do a shout out to Robbie L Nuguado. I'm sure I butchered your last name. Sorry. Antonio brinson Um Luke Walton, Kyle solis Chance Lagar. Sorry if I butcher your name. Nobody taught me how to speak. Stephanie Stewart, Jazzy Fay, congratulations on finding out all that wonderful stuff about your ancestors. Lissa Davis, Holly McAfee, shout out to the Ghostface Aaron. Ghostface? Shout out to High C and
2: Danielson. Yo.
3: Don't worry, I've got a bunch of Patreon ones I'm saving for
2: next week when we have more time. Yep. All right. Well, that's the end of the episode today. I want to thank you all for joining us. And again, thank you for all of your support. You are all amazing. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan and Hans, you want to roll us out? Yes, sir. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you're not
3: alone.